Hi, I'm Michael Cashew. And I'm Adi Cashew, and you're listening to The WAG Podcast. This podcast is about health, wellness, and personal development. Each episode is a short conversation between Adi and I on a single topic with actionable steps. We cover everything from food, mindset, fitness, and relationships. We started WAG because of the way health and fitness changed our lives, so we hope to share a tool or two that helps you along your way. Hey there, thanks for joining us. Today, I'm going to interview my wife. Uh, it's been a while since we've done a deep dive on a D. And it's what gonna, everyone needs. A deep dive, yes. <laughs> and I'm going to go in a couple different directions. We're going to talk about coaching. We're going to talk about your personal nutrition journey and what you've been doing lately. We're also going to talk about how having a baby and having to take care of him has affected your nutrition. And, you know, a lot of people listening to this show really know your story. And I want to be cognizant of the fact that some people haven't. And so we might rehash some of the ways that you got started and how you got to where you are. Cool. So for those of the, those listeners that don't know, what, how did you get started as a coach? I think probably starting as a CrossFit coach was really what started helping people in health and wellness and fitness and nutrition. And then nutrition specifically when I was training with Mash Elite Performance in the summer of 2014 uh, as a weightlifter. And so that's how I got started myself coaching. And then how did you become a nutrition coach? I was seeing a lot of success personally with my nutrition, working with a coach myself. And a few people at the gym where I was in North Carolina asked me for some help and a couple people on Instagram. And I just started helping people for free. I wouldn't recommend necessarily doing it for free. I maybe shouldn't have done it for free in the past, but I just did it for free. And those people got really great results. And that's how I became a coach. <laughs> And to your credit, at that time, there weren't that many nutrition coaches in the space. So pretty much anything you tried may have worked if you did a good job. Now there's so much competition. And so it makes sense to pay more attention to like how you start and your marketing and that, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think I what I was offering was very novel at the time. And so it was easier to get buy-in. Um, there wasn't as many options for people. So mm -hmm. yeah. Looking back, what is the biggest difference in the way that you coach now versus how you coached back then? And as I do sometimes, you never like to brag about yourself. So let me do this so that people, you know, you, so you get a little credibility. Adi has worked with over three dozen CrossFit Games athletes, and she's built a team that have worked with over 25,000 people in their nutrition to help them lose weight and body fat. And the, the most common piece of feedback that WAG gets, the thing that we're most proud of is that the work that we do affects much more than just their body. It affects how they feel about themselves and just their experience uh, going through life. And I think that it has so much to do with the way that you live your life, the way that you coach and the way that you coach others to coach people, the way that you've trained our team of coaches to have integrity, to look past just the numbers and 
So that's my piece. That's mm-hmm. your credibility booster Thanks. for the day. Thanks, babe. And so back to the question, what, what's the biggest difference uh, now versus then? I feel like there's so many big and small differences. I feel like coaching for full-time for seven years, just I couldn't possibly be the same coach now that I am. I was back then. But the first thing that comes to mind is that initially I was much more rigid in my coaching in terms of this is the way that I think that you should do it. This is the way that I've seen people get results. So if you don't abide by these set of principles, then that's why you're not getting results. And I would just continue bringing people back to like, be more compliant, be more compliant, be more compliant with, you know, either hitting your macros or training or like whatever the, the set program was at that time. And now I feel much more equipped to get to know people to understand what actually is going to get them results because that's only one way. Mm -hmm. And I think I was much more, I feel like it's a little bit similar to when you start doing anything that you really, it it hits that passion bug. A lot of CrossFitters feel this right away. You feel like CrossFit's the only way. And you meet people that exercise in another way and you're like, ah, they don't even know. If you only tried CrossFit and they're like, oh, I could get injured. You're like, no, this is like 100% the healthiest way to exercise when it really might not be for everybody. Mm -hmm. And that's actually okay. So when I found tracking your food and for me, it is for me on a personal and individual level, it creates freedom for me. Whereas now as a coach, I understand how it's constricting to some people. And I didn't understand that initially. I actually couldn't even wrap my head around it. Mm -hmm. I was like, how can this not be freedom to you? Where now I can really see how it is constricting to people and how for some people it might and is in fact not the best strategy for mm-hmm. them. So I feel more equipped to navigate the waters of being flexible and trying new things and 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 not knowing exactly what's going to work for somebody. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you've learned that if someone's not following something, you can either find more ways, like find the underlying reason why they're not sticking to that program rather than just saying stick to the program yeah. and saying that in different ways. Mm-hmm. Or then also just adapting the program to their lifestyle, helping them find a different program that works for them. Right, exactly. What do you think your biggest strength is as a coach? Oh, my biggest strength. I think that I am a great relationship builder where I don't think I've worked with any clients one-on-one that haven't turned into my friends. And I feel like that level of rapport creates an opportunity for people to be honest and vulnerable and tell you actually what's going on, where I've met a number of people. During a time where I wasn't taking on any new clients, I would meet other CrossFit Games athletes or up-and-coming Games athletes, and they would talk to me about how I'd be with them actually physically. And they would be eating something and they would say that they just weren't going to track it so they didn't have to tell it to their coach. And I feel like my strength is having enough of a relationship with somebody and letting them know who I am as well as getting to know them so that they can be sure they can come to me with anything and know I'm it's going to be okay mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm going to be there regardless. Uh, I feel like that has allowed me to maintain relationships for 
you know, five, six, seven years. So it's like creating closeness and safety. Yeah. Closeness and safety and sharing myself as well without completely taking over the experience. Like this experience is about the client. It's about them. But I, I think I do a good job of sharing about myself as well so that they can see like, okay, I'm a real human and therefore we can have a deeper and more trusting relationship Mm -hmm. uh, without making it all about me Mm because it's not about me at all. What's been the hardest thing for you to learn or adapt to as a coach? I find it, it's been, you've probably witnessed this being a part of it all basically from the beginning. I've had a really difficult time not taking things personally as a coach. And it's not even necessarily in the one-on-one client relationship. I definitely have taken that type of thing personally. If someone doesn't listen to me or if they doubt me or if they don't get results, I, I've had a hard time not taking it personally and not beating myself up about that. And then also like if we're not getting a million signups a day, you know, if we're not growing as a business, if we're not, I've had a really hard time just, or, you know, posting something on social media and not getting enough likes, like just being hard on myself for growth and just not being perfect, I guess. And how does that affect you personally and as a coach? I think I've worked on it a lot. And when I'm taking something personally, I'm making the experience about me and it's not about me. So if I'm working with a client and I'm taking their lack of results or lack of compliance or they're doubting me personally, I'm getting defensive and I'm protecting myself versus looking for the opportunity for growth. Like maybe they're pointing out somewhere, something that I actually don't know. Mm -hmm. They're doubting something I'm doing and it gives me an opportunity to either affirm what I already do know or see an see a lesson or a piece of information that I'm missing. Mm -hmm. And if I'm in defensive self-protective mode, I can't grow as a coach. And it's definitely stopped. It's, it's, it's led me to do things, make decisions that aren't necessarily aligned with the kind of person I want to be. So I, for an example, I will, you know, go, I, I would go onto social media and post about, signing up for the program if I wasn't feeling like we were growing enough Mm -hmm. and it wasn't coming from a place of authenticity. It was coming from a place of just numbers and fear. And I think people can feel that inauthenticity, whether it's conscious or unconscious. Mm -hmm. And it's just not about me. Mm -hmm. And it's been like a, a journey, a very long journey of just, the success of our business is not a popularity contest and it doesn't, mean anything about the kind of person that I am and whether people like me or not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, I'm being kind of self-centered and it's actually the whole point of this is for other people. Mm-hmm. The taking things personally piece definitely resonates with me. It's very much like any relationship. If we're anytime we get defensive and we're just concerned with being right we don't, we're not really open to the truth. Mm -hmm. We're not really open to possibility or learning something from a situation. When you're working with a client, it should be a, it should be easier to separate ourselves emotionally versus like our attachment figure, our, our partners. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but we still we still get triggered. We still take things personally. That's part of the the human experience. Mm-hmm. And what I hear you saying is by learning to stop taking things so personally and be a little bit more emotionally unattached, you are so much more open to really hearing what the person is either saying or not saying and growing as a coach and being able to really help them achieve the results that they're after. And I also think, I think that's true what you're saying. I also believe that it's helped me maintain certain relationships. So I've had clients who have left, Mm -hmm. right? Like big name athlete clients and they've left the program. And the personal side of me, if I was taking it personally and I wasn't just like, okay, I'm going to give this person the freedom to explore other options and maybe this isn't the best option for them and maybe they're going to find something better. The if I had taken it personally, I might have done something like trying to convince them or gotten mad at them or, you know, this person is like a friend of mine. So it's I might have ruined that relationship because I've taken this exit personally. And then because I didn't and because I was like, you know, I actually I think I remember like coming to you after reading it and being like, okay, this isn't about me, right? And maybe they will find something better. We'd like had a powwow about it. And, you know, four months later they came back. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that they would have if I wouldn't have just been free to be like, hey, you find whatever works for you and just I'm for you, not not attached to what it means about me if somebody leaves. So you've been in the CrossFit and weightlifting space for a long time. Mm Have you seen any shift in people's goals overall from when you started? Like people's goals and intentions on average? I think there's been shift, a little bit of shifts in attitude, but I think there's been some shifts. The shifts that come up for me, um, when I first, first started, there was this attitude of, I don't care what I look like, I only want to perform well, which I don't feel like is the same attitude anymore. I don't think that's really out there. I think people want to feel confident and look good and that actually can improve your performance in the gym. And I think it shifted from that to people being super rigid with their food and like everything has to be 100%, you know, dialed in, super rigid, like everything's super clean or else I'm going to fail. And like a hyper focus on certain markers of success and now I also feel a shift towards, you know, okay, let's build the skills of being able to be in control of our food and make good choices. And which I feel like is the most true to the CrossFit core of I'm going to be a high performer. I'm going to care about what I put in my body and I can have fun at the same time. I think that's like this a little bit more flexible place to be. I think that those shifts have happened and I think it continues to fluctuate. Mm -hmm. But I still think the main things that are still there are people that go into the gym and they work their butts off and they want their bodies to look like they work their butts off. Mm -hmm. I think that's been there the whole time. I think people get super frustrated when they're not seeing the results, the fruits of their labor. Like these people are killing themselves in the gym in a great way and enjoying it and working so hard. And we all know the pain and fortitude that is required to just get through these some of these workouts. And it's so fun, but it's frustrating when your body doesn't look like it does all of that. And maybe, 
you know, there's something nice, not only nice, but something about neat. the... Is it neat? Neat, maybe neat. <laughs> so there's two pieces, like one piece, there's something that I think it's okay to accept that you like going out into the world and for other people understanding that, oh, that person works out just based on the way they look. I don't, I think there's a piece of that that's vain and a piece of that that's totally okay. And it's like totally okay to want that. And then there's another piece of how it impacts the way that you show up in the world when you are like, your body is a physical representation of how hard you work on it. Mm -hmm. And there's a range, I think, for most people. It doesn't have to look exactly like Brooke Entz, which you're not going to look exactly like her. It's not possible. She's a very unique category. And she's worked her whole life to get there. So I think there's a wide range, but the people show up differently when they actually look like the work that they're putting in. I feel like the underlying goal or like overarching goal hasn't changed at all. And just from my perspective, like everybody wants to be lean and and strong. Yeah, lean and, and strong and perform well because people I still want to like, go to the CrossFit Games and win. I feel like the way that people in this industry, again, like functional fitness type space are are going about it on average has changed. I feel like when I first got into it, it was all about clean eating and quality of food. It was about the paleo diet with really no regard to quantity at all. Mm -hmm. But that was the way that people thought they were going to get the leanest. So they were doing it, you know, partly to be healthy and a lot to be as lean as possible. Then flexible dieting, if it fits your macros. Well, I think it there's focused the zone on, somewhere in there. Too. Zone is in there. Yeah. Yep. Zone is like maybe midway through there. Mm -hmm started focusing more on quantity again, still trying to be as lean as possible. And now I don't know if it's just me being in a bubble or this is actually reality, but it seems like people are waking up to a focusing on both B focusing on the value of having balance in your diet for the sake of longevity, right? Mm -hmm. People are sick and tired of doing something for a very short period of time that's not sustainable and then kind of falling off the wagon, quote unquote. Yeah, totally. And so uh, now I think people are, are taking a little bit more of a balanced approach to stay as lean as possible yeah. for as long as possible. I think there's like, it's the shift of really caring about quality is definitely there and just trying to understand where your food's coming from for the sake of quality, not for the sake of getting lean. Mm -hmm. One perfect example is there's this like sugar-free, calorie-free pancake syrup that people used to be so into at the beginning of working against gravity. And no one- It's shitty. It's, well, I mean, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But if you if you never have regular syrup ever again- It's, it's like the LaCroix of syrup. <laughs> No, it's the Lacroix of you syrup. You like Lacroix? Ah, uh, it's better than water. Right? Like, <laughs> sir, like, like water. syrup is better than air. The the the, the sugar free syrup is better than air, but it's like it's just a hint of syrup flavor. <laughs> <laughs> but that used to be all the rage, like all the rage in 2015, right? And I almost never hear of it in our Facebook groups anymore. Just. I think that's like a testament to mm. people just shifting because I don't even know what is in the ingredients in those things. But I think once people started having like digestion issues from eating yeah. too much of it. <laughs> yeah. 
How have your personal goals changed, especially over the past couple of years? And specifically around, I know something that's really important to you is focusing on loving yourself as you are now, while also maintaining and striving for more leanness. Yeah. Um, the original question was how has how it has it shifted? I've been on this journey, right? I started it probably around 10 years old, just having this overeating problem where I'd be sneaky and I would find food in sneaky places and I would hide it and I would- food in sneaky places. Well, I would just, yeah, I would like, we talk about this a lot. Like I would pick my friends based on who had the best snacks for real. Like the friends that had the pizza pops were definitely going to be my friends. Wait, what's a pizza pop? It's like a pizza. It's like a thing that you put in the microwave. It was like a pizza pocket. But we called our brand is called Pizza Pops. I think here they're pizza pockets, but they they're were like pizza the size pocket of your wannabes that are not no, they're quite as good. So much better. I don't think pizza pockets are even good. <laughs> oh no, pizza pops. They're Pillsbury. Canadians have it warped. Pillsbury. It's warped. amazing. I think it was amazing, and I would have like three of those, and I, I almost like my friends would look at me weird, like you're really gonna have three, and I think I would sneak sometimes to like go and grab one. <laughs> And I so still I still do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still sneak food too sometimes. That's just my my like quirks, right? That's just the little habits that I'm trying to conquer forever. Um, but I started around like 10 and then I've I overcame at least the overweight piece by the time I was 16. And then since then, I've maintained that weight loss, but my goals and my weight have fluctuated within a 25 pound radius for sure. And at each phase, it's been for a different purpose. It's been to be skinny originally and then to be strong and then to be in a weight class and then to be lean. And then now I've had a baby and when I was pregnant, it was 100% about what I put in my body impacts the life that I'm growing. And that was very important. Then now I'm like on the tail end of breastfeeding. And I, even while I was breastfeeding, it's like I've definitely struggled the most in this period of time that I have in a really long time. I don't remember struggling with consistency and motivation as much as I have in recent past. And why is that? I've thought about it a lot and I'm, I'm honestly not, I don't know that I a hundred percent have the answer to that question. I think I'm still in the inquiry of like, why I feel like I sleep was a big factor in the beginning when shy was waking up two to seven times a night. And I don't know. I don't know a hundred percent. Maybe, you know, from watching me, what do you think? I wonder if you just don't care quite as much as you used to. And my judgment is that you may not want to admit that to yourself because if you do, you might be afraid that that means you're not likely to get as lean as you you were. And I don't know that that's, I don't know that either of those are true. I think there is a piece that's like, I look great. Like I look great. I have abs. I'm like not the leanest I've ever been, but I look great. And I... There's a, there's a couple, yeah, it's like I look, it's like the motivation to get, lose a little bit of weight, which I'm not at the weight that I was before I got pregnant. The motivation to get there just isn't, 
as strong as we are right now in a phase of life where we're with a lot of community, we're having a lot of fun, we're going to, we're having these events on the weekends where we just like, if I, if I was being more diligent, it would be harder because I'm surrounded by temptations. And I don't think it would be take away from the experience for me. I'm just being tempted and I'm giving into the temptations more often. Mm-hmm. I think I'm just in a, in a, I have momentum in that direction, but recently I've gotten together with a bunch of girlfriends and we're doing workouts four days a week in our, in our garage at our house. And that's been like shifting my momentum in the other direction. And it's definitely slow and steady, but I do feel the momentum going, but I don't resonate with not caring. That's it's as much. You think you care just as much? I don't care just as much. I definitely don't care just as much. That's all that's, I'm saying. Yeah. I don't care for sure just as much, but I do care. And I think that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I have one more question for you. Do you think that, and it's like not really related to nutrition at all, uh, having been a mom for 10 months now, what coaching skills do you think most transfer to parenting so far? Hmm, that's a good question. I would love to say that there's an obvious answer and I don't feel like there's an obvious one. I think my, my skill of looking and researching and trying to find as much information as possible before becoming fixed in what I believe, I think has been really helpful for me in parenting where, you know, whether it's, do you sleep train? Do you not sleep train? And just being more flexible in my, decision-making and just kind of getting to know shy first before actually making decisions on what we are, aren't going to do and just collecting information, like whether it's getting to know him, seeing what his temperament is like. I think that has transferred from coaching. Mm -hmm. Just like really getting to know people before, you know, making a decision, let's try this and then being committed to what it is we tried to see if it's actually going to work and then switching if it's not working. Mm -hmm. I think that series of skills has been most transferable, but he's also at the age where he, he doesn't quite yet have a personality. So it's hard to, it's hard to like, it's easier to get to know him, but I, but I don't even know that he knows himself quite yet at all. So he's just developing into who he's going to be. So I think there will be more and more that come online as he grows up 100 percent. cool thanks to d you're welcome bye y'all thanks for joining us stay in touch by signing up for our newsletter at workingagainstgravity.com or on instagram at working against gravity and don't forget to subscribe to us on itunes leave us a five-star review and refer a friend We'll be back next week with another episode. Talk to you then.